So why don't you stand with me and welcome one of my bestest friends in the world, Brinson. Glory a Dios. How's everybody doing today? It's good to be back here after a year. Um, we've been on the mission field for three years, and God has called us back home, and we're in the middle of divine transitions. I heard somebody say, you know, the, I only went to the conference for one day um, over in Pensacola. Normally I go... Um, Normally, we take our whole family over there, and Lawrence was over here talking about how great the kids' ministry was and all this, and I was looking over there, my child, my children, thinking, I hope they didn't hear that. But we just didn't have time. Well, my family's in transition. Everything's in transition. And the first sermon we hear when we walk through the doors of the conference is Divine Transitions was the name of the... So I was in the right place at the right time. And God has called us home, and he said, I'll tell you what to do when you get there. And so he is, and we're taking advantage of opportunities that the Lord has put in front of us, and um, we're excited about what God has called us to do. Have you ever seen uh, Sweet Home Alabama? You ever seen that movie? In it, in it, in it good. But uh, I love the part where, um, I guess it's the, I don't forget all their names, forgive me, but, but uh, the girl had gone back and forth, and she was all over the place, and, and she never came back to her own hometown, but... Uh, the, her ex-husband, kind of, basically came to her and says, you know, you can't, what, what was her name? Anyhow, she said, you know, you can't have roots and wings, you know. And I feel like that's our calling, you know. We feel like we're going to have roots in this area, but we're going to have wings to fly and go to where God calls us to. So we'll see how it all comes together, but we're looking forward to it. Most days we have 90, we're 95% in faith, but that 5%, it's good to have a friend like Lawrence Thomas to say, dude, what am I thinking? But uh, I was only thinking what God told me to do. So we're here and we're, we're excited about opportunities uh, and looking forward to what God has in store. You know, I would say the same thing of Lawrence, the whole, uh, you know, friendship. Um, we've been friends for, good friends for, I guess, 15, 20 years. And, um, and he still likes me and I still like him. And I've grown uh, in love with him more and his family too. And as a result, this church, this church is an extension of your leader. And, and just coming here today, it's just really blessed me to see the growth, to see the expressions on your faith, and see the seriousness of your faith as well. So I'm excited about it. I, I, I couldn't help but notice as I came into the foyer, I don't know if you all noticed it, but there's a little sign up there. Um, I, I don't think Lawrence uh, intended me to see this, but I think it was moved to a place that, was, that I saw that he wanted me to see. But he said... Uh, Coming up, four-part series, and that four-part series is um, correcting false doctrine from the following week. So I, I couldn't believe that I saw that. That was a joke. For those that don't know me, there's no series following, and, and I will stay true to the Word because I, we're Word people because we want to live a, a Word-filled life. So um, anyhow, you know, um, I feel like the Word the Lord's given me this morning for you is, is basically pretty simple, uh, probably something that you've heard many times before. However, I do believe if it is applied and acted upon, I believe it will change you and the world around you. And I really mean that because I believe any time we apply the word, it can change us, particularly when it comes to the main core tenets of our faith. 
in these things that I believe God has put in my heart for you, I encourage you to grab a hold of and don't just listen with your ear. Write some things the Spirit of God is saying. I don't have any PowerPoint. I don't have any of that stuff, but I do, hopefully, I do have the Holy Spirit in me, and I know you have the Holy Spirit in you, and we're looking forward to what God has in store today. But basically, I feel like the Lord has put in my heart for you as a new lens for a new day. A new lens for a new day. You know, um, when I was younger, I was the youngest kid that they ever put contacts on. I think it was like in third grade. One reason why is because it just wasn't cool. They talked about putting shade, gla- shade glasses, you know, you know, sunglasses that were you could you know, change your vision on this. And I was like, oh, no, that's just not cool, you know. I mean, I knew what cool was when I was three. You know what I mean? That's why I'm so cool now. I'm kidding. Anyhow, you got to know it. To, you got to see it to know it. No. And so we, uh, they put me in, in, in contact lenses. And... I was the worst contact lens person you could imagine. You know how they say you're supposed to take them out every night and clean them up? You know, by the time I was in high school, they had the whole disposable lens thing. You're supposed to keep them for like a week and uh, then throw them away. But I kept them for like three weeks until my eyes like had all matter and junk and fungi and dryness and tearness and everything. I, I mean, you know, the only reason I changed is because I couldn't see anymore. But when I took out those lenses and I put the new ones on, I began to see. And I believe that's what God's saying to the church. You know, the enemy cannot cause you to be blind, but he can limit your vision. And he can limit what it is that he wants. The enemy can limit what it is that God wants you to see. And that's what I'm talking about today, a new lens for a new day. And if there's ever any time in history that we need to have the right lens on our eyes, it's now. The enemy wants to cloud it. He wants to dilute it. He wants to cause you to have cracky spiritual eyes that you can, all you do is itch and get matter on. But God wants you to put ISAV. That's what it talks about in Revelation 3. ISAV was basically an antibiotic that you would put on your eyes and it would cause you to see better. God wants us to put ISAV on our eyes and begin to see. A new lens for a new day. The question isn't, what do I see, but what should I see? As a believer, there's things that Lawrence needs to see. Excuse me, Bishop Lawrence. Lawrence Thomas, my brother. Um, it's an inside joke, sorry. <clears throat> but we need to, there's certain things we need to see. You know, there are certain things that my son Elijah needs to see right now. There are certain things that Cornell needs to see. My wife needs to see. There's certain things that I need to see. And how many of you know you see things from the position of God and his word, but you see things as God created you, and the closer you get to Jesus, the more you see the way he wants you to see. I see things differently than Lawrence. Lawrence sees things differently from me because we see it from a position of a gift that God has planted in us, and as we're together, we see more correctly. Because we are the body of Christ, and if we only see one way, might as well go down the highway, because you're going the wrong way. But God wants us to see. My question is, what are you seeing? And what does God want you to see? He wants me to see things, and he wants you to see things. But the question is, are you seeing what he wants you to see? I want to see what he wants me to see. You know, if we see as the world sees, we will do as the world does. I don't know about you, but when I look, even just in being in America just for about, 
a month, I guess, I begin to start, my vision begins to get cloudy, to be honest with you. I begin to see so many choices, <laughs> so many different options that we never had. I begin to see things that just begin to cloud me out and cloud my vision. But God wants us to see correctly. One of the things I think that the enemy uses in our day is the media for us to begin to be, our eyes to be blinded to the real reality of what's going on. One of the things I think are, the problem with our media is, is I don't see compassion. When we see ourselves through the lens of the media, we have zero compassion. But God wants us to see things through the lens of his word. You know, God, a lot of times I find myself burdened down by the worries of life, burdened down by the deceitfulness of riches, the current state of the world, and, and confusing circumstances that I don't understand. That's some things that all of us, I believe, deal with, and it keeps us from seeing the way God wants us to see. The enemy desires to delude us, but the enemy, the, our God desires to empower us. You know, however, if we see as God sees, it will cause us to do as God does. If you see as God sees, it will cause you to do as God does. You know, one of the lens I want to encourage you to put on today is the lens of God's Word. We can't live without the lens of God's Word. God's Word, we want to live with eyes wide open, right? And God wants us to live through the lens of His Word. You know, the way you view sickness, the way you view disease, the way you view poverty, the way you view riches, the way you view worries, the way you view problems, if it doesn't come through the lens of Scripture and you submit yourself under the lordship of the Word of God, then what happens is, is you come up with your own interpretation of your just, you, the circumstance you just had. I find a lot of believers that love Jesus, what happens when difficult times come, they begin to listen to the opinions of their family and their friends rather than the very authority of God's word. And you know what happens to us? It's happened to all of us. We come up with the wrong definition of life. That's why that person you talk to, they're a Christian, but yet they're so clouded over with the understanding of their circumstances based upon what happened to Sister Susie that they don't have the correct lens that they're seeing life through. And without God's word, we cannot see properly. We cannot see with a correct, ordained, God-ordained perspective. But however, God wants us to see. The best way, one of my favorite scriptures in the Word of God is, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. It is a process to live as a Christian. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't become strong the moment you come into faith with Jesus Christ. You have the same power in you when you get saved as I do after walking with Jesus, after uh, Ken Hagen or whoever has been walking with Jesus for a long time. However, the difference is, is we have learned how to use that power, understand it, and fall on our face and get back up and continue to learn. Amen? God wants us to apply the Scripture, and, and we have just as much power today, if we just a, came to faith in Jesus Christ five minutes ago, as we do if we were walking with Jesus for 20 years. However, the difference is we've learned, hopefully, how to use that power, so therefore that power affects every part of our lives, or it should, and we're also growing in that as well. But the Scripture says in Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, um, 
Other, this is a different translation, but it says, other words, do not let yourself be conformed to the standards of the world. Instead, keep letting yourself be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you will know what God wants and will agree that what he wants is good, satisfying, and able to succeed. Amen? So what happens is, is as you understand God's word, the lens by which you see life, circumstances, sickness, poverty, and problems will cause you to see it correctly when you get the lens of Scripture. That's why people are here to help you. If you just started walking with Jesus five minutes ago, I promise you, you've not arrived. You need help. And the help that you can receive, number one, is from God's Word. Amen? However, it is through people that have gone before you. God didn't create us as, as long rangers. He created us in community so that we can live the way that he's called us to live. And we can't live and have victory in, our areas of, in the areas of life we struggle by ourselves. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I do understand that I have gotten victory from, from God Almighty through my brothers. God has used this man to give me victory. However, it was through the Spirit of God that God helped me to rise up above my problem. But I want to encourage you, community, Lawrence was talking about community is power. We have power, look in the scripture where it says this, many scriptures. We have power together. We have more power together. That's why one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. How much more us? If we agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done of our Father which is in heaven. Agreement has power, but if we're not together, we don't know what to agree for. And so I just want to encourage you to allow God's word to penetrate your life and to keep you and help you and get around others that you can get their perspective from God's word that you've never seen before. So you can grow. You can grow further than you ever can imagine. We're currently as close to Jesus as we want to be. I don't like that either. But we can get as close to Jesus as we want to get. Why? The Bible says it. Draw near to God, James 4, 8, and he will. Not might, he will draw near to you. Amen? When God's word isn't the center of our lives, our problems are the center. A wordless church is a powerless church. But a church full of the word, full, that's why I love, I know know Lawrence and I know he is a man of God's word. Great teacher of the Word of God. He wants to teach you the Word of God, not just so you can tell somebody what you know, but so you can live it out. Then you can tell somebody what you know. And tell them in the process too, praise God. Seeing things through the lens of Scripture causes us to become solution-oriented rather than problem-oriented. We will see ourselves as He is large and in charge, and every problem minute in the presence of of his word and his power. We will see the unknowns as opportunities to please God. Pause. There's a lot of unknowns I have right in my life, friend. But one thing's for sure, him. And what he says goes. And I can have confidence that even though I don't know it, he knows it. And when I follow him, I will find what I need to know when I need to know it. Amen? God wants us to to be okay. He's, He's teaching me. He's teaching my family. You know, when you come back, 
and your kids ask you, you know, what are you going to do, Daddy? What, what, what are, uh, where are you going to live? Where are we going to go to school? Where, I mean, imagine every security you have in your life totally ripped out. Where are we going to get a car? You know, uh, um, where are we going to eat? How are we going to eat? Where are we going to be sleeping? I don't know how many beds we slept in in the last month, but it's probably been at least 20, probably. I don't know. Probably. She, she's the accountant. So give, okay, 25. But a lot of different places. And the world is in transition. Our world is in transition, but God is secure. He is a rock that you can hold on to. And I can promise you this, that he will not be shaken. And if we hold on to him in the middle of uncertainties, He'll pull us through on the other side, and it'll look so pretty afterwards that you'll look like you can get credit for it. Oh, I knew it the whole time. What are you talking about? Oh, man, what are you talking about? I know exactly this is going to, I don't get in pride, but, but it, when you follow God in the unknown, he'll make you look good. That's not why you do it, but he'll make you look like you're smart. I remember when, uh, I remember when God began to stir our heart about five years ago. We lived at a house in the country, and God spoke to our hearts about moving. And um, moving to a, a, a kind of the inner city, a, a project area somewhat, a, a lower income area um, that was predominantly about 95% African American. And, and um, we had fallen in love with this community and we wanted, we were just going in and out of the community and we felt like God spoke to our hearts to move there. And we had a nice pretty house in the country, but some, we began to see something differently. You know, when you see as God sees, it'll cause you to do as God does. And something happened. We had an unsettledness about us. And we just couldn't stay there anymore. Put that house up for rent, moved, lived in this uh, apartment complex for about two years and made friends and saw people come to Jesus. And wasn't the greatest results that I wanted or what was in my mind, but we, we had fruit, still have fruit today as a result of that. But after a season of time, I was in my tree stand one day out of my dad's property, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, if you have a hold of that house, that house will have a hold of you. I'm like, okay, Jesus, you're talking now, but don't talk to me. Oh, talk to me, don't. Please, talk, no. You know what I'm talking about. Don't act don't so holy. Yes. And I said, yes. We sold the house in about, I don't know, just a few days, a, few, a couple weeks. And everybody's like, what you going to do now? Where you going, man? What's going on? And at that time, we had no other clear word about us moving, about us going somewhere. We knew something was stirred in our hearts. We didn't know where, how, when, what. We didn't know anything. But literally, after we signed on the dotted line, we sold that house, we wept, we cried, but we rejoiced because we're free to do what God wants us to do. We signed on that dotted line. Within a month, God spoke to us and said, you need to move to Guatemala. And so it made us look pretty good. Well, we had it all planned out, you know. We sell the house. But God's processes are perfect. And when we view life through the centerpiece of his word, it will change everything. Amen? I pray that we would be a people of the word of God. Without, without the word, we, we have a diluted, watered-down version of Christianity of power and love, and nobody wants what we have. But when we have a, when we have a word-centered life, 
We are salt and light. And I believe the world is screaming out and saying, where is the salt and light? Where? If we don't look, we don't take our lives and look through the, to the, uh, through the centrality of the scriptures, what happens is, is we begin to see ourselves in a different way and we begin to be a very maybe little bit of salt. Like, I think I tasted something. There was a little, might have been, you know, you ever taste one of those, you get, pull up and start eating one of those meals and you're like, I think there's some salt in it, but it sure needs a lot more, right? Start shaking that salt on there. Or you think, man, sure is dark in here. I think there's some light, but I can't really see it. God wants you to be the salt and the light. You know, when, when, um, when we rush through life and we don't take time to, to let God's word, to process on things that are going on with us through God's word, then we come up with the wrong interpretation, as I said earlier. But also what God does is he causes us, we're talking about Christian brothers and sisters earlier and the importance of living life together. And when we see through God's word, we have to also see, as we were saying, through, uh, we have to allow ourselves to be able to, the other lens that God wants us to see through is, is through the eyes of the church. He wants to see us not as Lone Rangers, but he wants to see us as a part of the church. And there's one thing that probably a lot of us struggle with is people in, we, we have problems with people in other churches because they don't believe what we do. Oh, that's a church that don't believe in tongues. They don't believe in the Holy, they don't believe in this. They don't believe in healing. They don't believe in this. And we find ourselves talking about our own family. And I'm talking about the Christian church. I'm not talking about Jehovah's Witness or more than that. I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christian church. We start talking about our own family because they don't believe the way we believe. But they do believe how you believe. There's just about 10% maybe they don't believe like you. And we find ourselves talking to them like they're a part of another family. But God says they are. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I know some believing Catholics that are Christians, that love Jesus. It's a shame. We lived in Guatemala, and it's a very Catholic-oriented culture. And, and there's a lot of things that the Catholics believe that I don't believe. And I believe it's, it's off in a lot of ways. However, when I begin to talk to some of my Catholic friends, I begin to discover who they really are, and I begin to find out they are born again. They have given their life to Jesus. And I begin to see myself on the same team. However, I remember there's a girl that's in our ministry, a leader in our ministry right now, that her mother has told her if she goes to the evangelical church, her family will disown her. This is very common in Guatemala. Most people don't know. But it's also on the other side, too. That if they go to the Catholic church, the evangelical church will disown them. Or... At least the families will disown them. Shame. Shame on them. Shame on us for ostracizing ourselves. Listen, we gather together because we have a, a, a basically we believe more closely here than what we may believe they may believe, okay? And there's certain things that they may believe that we maybe we shouldn't understand more. But we need to see ourselves on the same team. Don't we talk about your family? You start hearing about somebody said something. Let it be from this pulpit that you never say a negative word from an, about another pastor 
another individual, another Christian in this community or anywhere else. Why? Because we're one body, one church, one God and Father of us all who's in all and works through us all. And when we see ourselves on the same team, we can advance together. We have movement in the body of Christ. Another way that um, I want to encourage you with another lens, I guess almost the last lens we got today, is God's lens for people. God's lens for people. I want to see people the way God wants me to see people. And all these build upon one another because if I don't, I don't know what the Scripture says about people, whether lost or not, when I don't see people through that lens of, script, lens of Scripture, I, I automatically see them wrongly. Amen? Or me. If we understand from God's Word how much God loves us, it will change the way we see everything and everybody. Mark 16, 15, then Jesus said to them, so wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. It's not just a good idea. And we do that not just through our words, but through our life, through our attitudes, through our circumstances. The question is, where are we going every day? Go into all the world. So the question is, where where you? I don't say it southern. I like speaking. Where you been going now? Where you where where are you going? Where do you go every day? That's your world. That's your world. And what should we be seeing in that world that we pass through every day? What should we be seeing with our fellow employees or um, the people we work with, the people we study with, the people sitting next to us, you know, that convenience store that seems like they take forever or that restaurant, that waiter, that waitress, you know. What, what, what is it that God wants us to see? I can tell you what he does want us to see. He doesn't necessarily want us to see all their problems. He doesn't want us to see their problems. He wants us to see their heart. And he created that heart to change the world just as he's called your heart to change the world. And maybe they're not living it out yet, but when they see somebody that is, the light comes on, the salt comes out, and it's on like Donkey Kong. Do you hear what I'm saying? God wants us to be a people that see what he sees. Matthew 9, 35 through 38 in the message says this. And you just have to write it down. You're not going to have time to turn this. You're reading the message. It's a paraphrase. It's not a translation, so don't go religious on me. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies and healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowd, his heart broke. He was moved, another translation says. He was moved with compassion. So confused and aimless they were like sheep having no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees pray for harvest hands. John 4, 35 says this in the message. The the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. As you look around like, uh, as you look around right now, wouldn't you say 
that it's about four months and it will be time for harvest. Well, I tell you to open your eyes. Take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. The scripture doesn't ever teach us that the harvest is coming. It teaches us that the harvest is now. Now, I understand there is a great outpouring of the Spirit of God that's coming upon the earth. But if you always look into that and not being here, you'll never see what God intended for us to see. God wants us to be ready, and he wants us to know that we need to lift up our eyes. What you seeing, man? What, what's in your eye sight right now? Are you seeing your circumstances? Are you seeing your problems? Are you seeing the problems that you have with your children? Are you seeing the problem that your ch children, you see problems that you have with your, your mom or dad? Or are you seeing the way he wants you to see? I'm going to give you a solution to being able to see and put on the lenses correctly so you can see as God wants you to see, so you can do as he wants you to do. You know, um, we just want to see people through the lens that God wants us to see, right? And when you look at the life of Jesus, one of the most powerful lenses I think he ever could put on our eyes is seeing th things through the lens of relationship and discipleship. When we put on the lens like Jesus did, it will cause us to do as Jesus did. And when we, when we see things correctly through the lens of Scripture as it relates to relationships and discipleship, things change. I'll give you an example. And, you know, probably, you know, when we moved to Guatemala about three years ago, um, you know, it was a big change for our lives. You know they speak a different language down there, right? And it's not Mexico. Everybody thinks that, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, you, you're down there? Yeah, I'm in Mexico, right? In Costa Rica, I said, no, we're in Guatemala. <laughs> que bueno. Anyhow, um, but, uh, but when we went down there three years ago, we were put in an area, one of our main responsibilities would be in an area called Jocotenango. And in that area that we were, they basically told us um, that pretty much, you know, we had stuff said that they told us that they were pretty close to shutting the program down, only one they've ever shut down. And it just was, it was just not doing good. It was falling apart. And they said, we want to put you guys there and, 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 and you working alongside the Guatemalans. You don't have any authority or anything like that, but you do have relationship. Relationships will give you authority and to speak into people's lives. And so, of course, we still were learning the language at that time. So we labored there for pretty much about two and a half years. And not because of our effort, but actually because of other people's effort, we had a part of it. Cornell had a part. I was just thinking today, Cornell was there discipling people when he came down to Guatemala for six months after we had been down for, I guess, about six months. And uh, people poured in. We began to pour into youth. The youth, the, the, it, it just changed over two and a half years. It didn't happen overnight, but through relationship, through time, and to the point that literally six, six months ago, or maybe a little bit less, Five months ago, we were part of starting a church there before we left. And now that church is full of young people, most of which did not have a church, and other adults and different people 
are now there. People that, that Cornell and I and Lori had a position with of, of, of just relationship and discipleship, they're now leaders in, in the church and also in the youth facility there. But it, was, it takes time. It takes time. Another story, I remember, and Cornell had a part of uh, this, this boy's life and poured into him. His name's Danny. I love Danny. Miss him. And, and Danny, you know, just began to pour into him. And, and sometimes, you know, I'd be pouring into him for a while, then all of a sudden, say, Fway, he's gone. Don't know where he went. You know, it's like I, I poured into him, and then Cornell, and it's like, where's this guy? But slowly but surely, he began to change. And, and still one day, I'm, we're counting on him to be at this event. We were doing like a, they called it a marathon, but it wasn't a marathon. It was like a, you know, five miles, but anyhow. Um, so, so we were doing this thing, and we were, we were counting on him. He didn't even show up. Didn't call nobody. Just didn't show up. I'm like, gee whiz, you know. And I was getting close to judgment. Probably did judge, to be honest. Oh, Lord. I'm talking about the wrath coming on me. I said the Lord of hosts. What? No, I'm kidding. But I'm like, we needed you, you know. That was in my mind. But I was able to get back together with him, sit down in my, my house and begin to disciple him and talk to him. And, and I said, man, what happened that day? I... I I've tried to go by this principle. Seek to understand before you're understood. Seek to understand before you're understood. A lot of times the reason why people are acting out the way they are has nothing to do with you. And so stop taking it so personally and start realizing that something's going on in them, but you can seek to understand before you're understood with what's going on with people. And so I started talking to him, and he said, man, the reason I didn't go there that day it's because I hadn't seen my dad in a very long time. And the last time I saw him, he was beating my mom. And he told me, he said, we, 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 we were going to jog right by his house, and I just couldn't handle it. And I began to talk to him about forgiveness. And you know what happened? He got free. Weeping in my, in my house, forgiving his dad that abused his mom. Why? Because God loves him. And I love that boy. God has great plans for that young man. But sometimes if we never take time, we never get the correct perspective. All we see is things as we see them. we got to put on the lens of the Scripture. we got to put on the lens by which God sees people so we can see them as God wants us to see them. Amen? Judgment ends when the relationship begins. The cost to build a bridge is the cost of relationship spent. God wants us to be bridge builders. You know, as I come back, I see opportunities to bridge culture groups, generational groups. I see an opportunity as I pass. You know, Guatemala is, is predominantly brown-skinned folk. Pretty much. There's Latinos, and some of them look just as white as I do with blonde hair, believe it or not. But for the most part, they're all brown skin. But it's not what's on their skin because they're so diverse. There's about 23 different languages there. 21, I believe, which are Mayan languages. And there's such a diversity there in, in some ways. But when I come back to America, the diversity is even greater. But in diversity, we must celebrate. When we celebrate rather than tolerate diversity, we have the whole picture of the kingdom. And I want to encourage you to do something. 
when it comes to people that aren't like you, wherever you see yourself and you don't like them or don't understand them, take time to sit with them and understand who they really are. I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm talking about that somebody that just come up in your mind, just came up in your mind right now that you're thinking about. I just want to get to know them. Doesn't matter their color, doesn't matter their smell, doesn't matter what they have, doesn't matter what they have, what they don't have, what they do have. Who is that person that God is highlighting to you right now? Write them down. Write their name down. Get it in your mind. Get it in your heart. And sit down with them and begin to say, tell me your story. I'm telling you, when you begin to hear people's story, your lens shifts. And you begin to be more of an effective witness. You begin to be able to help. You can't sometimes help people until you know where they came from. There's people sitting in this room right now. You have no idea the story of the person next to you. And I love you, but it is your fault. Hurt so good. Come on. Take time. Stop being so, this is my area. Listen, we live in Guatemala, and so we're all over each other's space. The buses are tight. The houses are tight. They, the, fam the families live together. I'm talking mother, father, sons, grandma, uncle. I mean, they all live together. You say, well, that is ridiculous. Man, we'd have a, a heck of a time if that happened. Exactly. That's why there's a lot of turmoil. But anyhow, <laughs> but at the same time, the reason why they live together is because they can't afford to live any way else. And they don't know any other way to live but that way. And I don't know if that's bad. Poverty is not great. Poverty is a challenge. Poverty is different. I'm not talking about that. But I, I think we should live in community more. I ain't telling you to go over to Lawrence's house and take it. I spend the night tonight. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I am saying get to know your pastor. Get to know your leaders. Get to know your friends. Get to know the people you think you know. And I'm telling you, I have found that as I spend time with people in relationship, I literally get a key from them that sets me free. I begin to see things differently. You know, we come back and we look, you know, lily white and look like just white folk, but we have sangre de guatemaltecos in us. We have the blood of a Guatemalan. We have the blood of African Americans in us as well. We may look white on the outside, but we're very diverse. And you won't know the stories of the people around you until you sit with them and talk with them. And I want to close with a scripture in Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3. If you could turn there. We'll close with this scripture. Man, I love this scripture. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah forevermore. And I think you can apply this lens to everything that, that the Lord's put on my heart to share with you today. Psalms 133, 1 through 3, particularly verse 1 and 3. Psalms 133 is a long chapter, four verses. Anyhow, it's like the verse, the long, what's the longest verse in the Bible? Anybody know? I don't know the number, but it's Jesus wept. That's, did I say longest? Oh, wow. I'll just see if y'all, man, we're flowing. You got it. All right. Okay. All right. Psalms 133, 1 through 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to brother, brothers or sisters to dwell together 
in unity. Somebody read the second verse that has a loud voice real quick for me. Come on, somebody. Help me before I call you out. Read verse 3 for me, if you would, brother. What you smelling, man? What you smelling? You got to see so you can smell. God wants us to see things through his eyes so we can smell the fragrance of heaven. It's the only scripture I know of, and I'm not a Bible scholar, where it talks about, and I'm sure there probably is others, but the only scripture I know of, a person that says, there I will command the blessing, life forevermore. That surpasses generation. Unity and coming together in the name of Jesus will surpass generations. I read stories about unity over in Birmingham, Alabama. And the, 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 the change that took place during the civil rights movement today is still impacted generations later. Why? Because there's a sweet aroma, friend. There's a sweet aroma. And I'm not talking about... I'm, I'm talking about diversity and people coming together, yes. But God wants us to be a people that recognize we're very diverse, whether what color skin or what, where we live, we're very diverse and we need to come together. And there's the command and blessing of God. That one word right there, dwell together. When those dwell together in unity, you know what it means? To sit down. To sit down. When's the last time we sat down? with people around us. It means to remain. It means to settle. It means to marry. It means to habitate. How good and pleasant it is for us to sit down. For us to settle. There's a, there's a sense of, 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 of no barriers when you think about that context. And God wants us to live a life of absolute no boundaries. No bar barriers. And the way we do that is to see as he sees so we can do as he does. I want to give you just a couple application points you can take home. So how can you change the way by which you see? Pray the Ephesians prayers, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. I pray that the eyes of my understanding will be enlightened, that I may know the hope of his calling, that I may know how he sees life. Basically, it just talks about changing your eyesight. And God wants us to do that. Another way is to get in the Word of God. Spend time with others. And invest time in the kingdom. Invest time in somebody that maybe you haven't gotten to know yet. I want us to do this. I want you to stand up with me. And I want us to take just about 15 seconds. And I want you to think be quiet. I want everybody to close your eyes. I'm going to lead you in a prayer after this. But I want you to just, everybody's going to be silent. And I want you to just ponder in your heart these things that God wants us to switch from. He wants us to put his lens on. I want you to begin to see the people around you. See yourself waking up tomorrow morning. Where do you go? Who is it that you just saw, that you just passed by?
slow down. See yourself slowing down and taking time to love the people around you. You can't change everybody. You can't change anybody. But God through you can change anybody. Who is that person in your world, in your life? God, help us to see. Can we just say that with your heart? You were created to see differently. You were created to see the way God wants you to see. You need to talk to other people around you and tell them what you see. God, I say this from my heart. Show me what you see. Show me what you see in my kids. So show me what you see of my life and my calling. Come on, you can say that too. Show me what you see about the people I come in contact with. Give me eyes. Give me eyes. If it be possible, the worship team could, could come up. I just want to begin to pray, and I want you to, us to agree together the uh, Ephesians prayers, and I've got it in the Amplified version here. And what I'm praying over you is I believe as we pray, I want you to see yourself taking off the old lenses and putting on the new ones and seeing the dryness that might be in your eyes, the contact lenses by which you view life from to begin to change. Wide open eyes, eyes wide open, a new lens for a new day. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he would grant New Covenant Church, Tifton, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that he would grant unto the leaders of this congregation sight to see what he sees, what their particular vein is, Open their eyes that they might see. Clarify what they know. Bring into existence what they've been believing for. Lord, let them see as you see a building paid for. Let them see as you see debt canceled in their lives. Let them see their neighbors walking free from bondage and sickness without a Savior. God, let them see people saved all around them. God, we pray this spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight and mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of you that you would cause their eyes to be flooded with light so that they can know and understand the hope to which he has called them, that they might know the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints and so that they can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's ever been named or ever will be named. God, I declare 
that you would cause his congregation to not see their problems, but see how big their God is. God, let them see the largeness of their God. How great is our God. How incredible is our God. Forgive us, God, for we've made you too small in our eyes. Lord, we declare the great vision of God coming upon our eyes that we might see as you see so we can do as you do. God, let us see that exceeding great power, that same power which raised Jesus from the dead. I just declare, even right now, you say that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Lives in us. The same very action of the most incredible event in history. When Jesus was risen from the dead, the Bible says you have that power in you right now. So this is what I want you to do. If there's somebody around you, if there's somebody here that is sick in their body, I want you to go ahead and lift up your hands right now. You're sick in your body in any way. I want you to just lift up your hand real high so I can see it. There's somebody here, my brother here. And this is what I want you to do. Anybody else? Come on, if you have any sickness in your body, Jesus is a Lord over sickness and disease. Amen. Not the Lord of He conquers sickness and disease, poverty and lack. Just go ahead and lift up your hand if that's you. And you're, you're sick in your body. Anybody in this room has, has any kind of pain in their back, I want you to lift your hand and kind of wave at me. Wave at me. Wave at me. Now, I told you to lift up your hand if you were sick and you had pain, and, but there was about four other people lift up their hand after I said something about the back. May the Lord do you need to just go ahead and remember you got it. But he, yeah, anyhow, praise the Lord. Okay, here's the deal. The Scripture says that by His stripes we are healed. And so according to the Scripture, and listen, if you're not going to go and pray for somebody and you're maybe struggling with believing that He can heal, don't, don't, it's okay. We're not going to judge you. But don't, don't go lay hands on somebody if you're struggling with that right now, okay? Just allow God to build your faith. It's okay. But I want to encourage you right now, if you know what you believe that the power of Jesus is here to heal and that he's the healer, I want you to find somebody and go lay hands on them right now. We're going to believe Jesus to heal them. Amen. Amen. And if you need to get yourself in a position of faith where maybe you weren't believing that before, but you just go, just go ahead and do that, and you can go ahead and step in that direction. The Bible says believers shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall be healed. Not could be, but shall be healed. So I want us to lay hands on those backs, find out where they're, they're, what they're believing for, where their pain is, or what their problem is. We don't need no long description of your problem because it's so small that it doesn't deserve time, okay? It doesn't deserve time, but the power of God, amen? Come on, we're the church. The two or more shall agree on earth, and it shall be done. Come on, say it with them over them. It shall be done. Sickness is the devil's plan to keep you from fulfilling what God wants you to fulfill. And so I want you to pray, and we just say this right now. In the name that is above every name that has been named, is being named, or ever will be named, Jesus is a name above all names. So we declare, say it with me, Jesus. Come on, stay with me. Jesus. No long prayers. Just speak the name of Jesus over them. Jesus. The name that is above every name. We declare a healing wave just sweeps through this place. Right now, Father, 
great physician, great healer, the God of all flesh. You said there's nothing too difficult for you. If there's anybody in this room right now that you, you have a leg that is shorter than the other one, I want you to come up here real quickly. You have a leg that's shorter than the other one. You know it. Go ahead and just come up here right now. If that's you. If there's not, that's all right. But if there is, just come on up. Praise the Lord. Maybe even unknown, we declare any pain leaves in the authority of the name of Jesus. Any body that's out of joint, we declare right now you snap it into joint by the power of your Holy Spirit. We declare liberty. Just speak liberty. It says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I declare even right now, I want you to listen to me just a second. Stay with me. I believe when I spoke that name of Jesus, there was a key that just got unlocked to something that you've been struggling with. And I believe that, that, that also that there's people that need freedom. And when I said that, you know who you are. Now, if you know you need freedom, and it don't, it's not important that I know what you need, but it's important that you know God knows what you need. But if you know there's an area, right when I said that, and don't try to overthink it, but you know you say, I need freedom. I know I need freedom, and I know I need it now. I want you to lift up your hand real high. You know you need freedom. You know, it's okay. I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm secure. If you don't lift up your hand, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. I want you to just hear from the Spirit right now if that's you. you say, yeah, I need freedom. Don't allow anybody else on your left or your right to distract you. Think, well, well, they, well what if they know I'm struggling with depression or struggling with smoking or drinking or, or, or whatever your problem may be or, or just maybe lust. And you need to be freed from that. And if they raise their hand, don't be thinking, well, they're the, they, they got a lust problem. You know, it's just, it, come on, we're the church. And we want freedom to come, don't we? Stay with me here. Anybody here that's in that county, you know you need freedom. I want you to come right down here. I just, I want to pray for you. You raise your I need freedom. You know, you're looking right here to some free men that just walked down here. But you know, the key to their life is they want more freedom. They're not satisfied. Morris is not satisfied. My brother is not satisfied. He wants freedom, more freedom than he ever had. But friend, I want you to know there's an anointing to bring freedom, freedom in your life, freedom from that bondage. If there's somebody in this room, friend, that, that has struggled with depression and confusion, the power of God is here to set you free right now. If that's you, come on down here right now. We're the body. Come on. If that's you, if that's you, let's make this date with destiny. Anybody here? Anybody here? Freedom. Listen, I was freed from depression, and I promise you by the power that he's given me to set others free. Not my power, but his power in me. So this is what I believe as we pray for these people. They're just going to be free. Whatever they're struggling with, whatever's going on in their lives, Whatever thing, that bondage that has wrapped itself around them. I don't care if we prayed 50,000 times before. Today's their day. And here's what we're going to do. 
We're going to believe together this body in faith. In faith. When we lay hands on we're laying hands on together. You want to come and get behind them and believe with them? You go ahead and respond and we'll, we'll pray with them together. But here's what I want you to believe with me, that they're going to be free. And that anybody in this room that's going through it and they just, they just can't respond, it's just too difficult for them, I want you to know God's going to meet you in your seat. God's going to meet you in your seat. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. We thank you for these here that have responded. We thank you for these that have responded. And we thank you for who the sun sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name, we declare freedom, freedom right now in the name that's above every name. We declare freedom, freedom, in the name of Jesus. see you as a man that just set short just I saw you on the uh, like a dock and I felt like you just cut the rope and God said go free soar into the place I've assigned you just have it's fun out in the ocean and when people look at you they see somebody that is, they, they would think man he's he just he's just he's never lived on the shore he's never lived on the dock but compared to the freedom that God wants you to to, to be freed with yeah You've, you've, you've held yourself on the dock. But God says, go free. Go free, my friend. Go free, my friend. We declare freedom. In Jesus' name, we declare no more limitation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, freedom. 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 God loves you. God loves you. He loves you more than anything that's ever you can imagine. And what's happened to you in your life over the last several years, you begin to find yourself looking and thinking, who am I really? But God wants you to know, you don't need to define yourself by your problems. Define yourself by the opposition and the problems that have been going on around you. It's been like a, a swirling nest around your head that the enemy's tried to confuse you and bind you, but God's desired you to be free. And he says, be free, my child. Be free. Love brings freedom, and he loves you. He says, my daughter, I love you. And I love you with an everlasting love. If you could see how much I love you, you would never see yourself anymore from, from the eyes of the things that have happened in your life. I declare any confusion, any depression, any lack of clarity that you've had about your future, your, your future is wiped away in the presence and the power of that name that's above every name, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We declare over this, your daughter.
baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, I just want to pray just a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Just freshness. Fresh, fresh. We declare a fresh wind blowing, blowing all the trash out that the enemy has tried to store. See, it's the enemy that has put stuff in your path and calls stuff in like, the only way I see it is like, there's been like hidden compartments in your life that you think that, gosh, it's just nasty in there. But I believe the Lord is saying to you, that's the enemy has swept all that stuff in there and caused you not to deal with it. But God's coming in with a holy blower. Yeah. <laughs> and he's blowing out all the junk that the enemy has intricately woven in, the, in, the, in these different places. And we declare, blow wind. Wind of the Spirit, blow. We declare liberty. 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 Liberty for who the son or daughter sets free is free in me. I see there just being a baptism of the love of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I declare, is this your family? All these your family? Beautiful daughters. They need to know they're beautiful. I encourage you to speak it over them. I know you probably already do. And I just encourage you to speak it. God says you're beautiful. You're a masterpiece. When God created you, He threw out the mold. There will be another, never be another you. He loves you. I pray you would experience the Father's love. The Father's love. I don't know your position in life with fatherhood or anything, but we all need a fresh baptism of understanding of the Father's love. Lord, baptize them, I ask you right now, with the Father's love. We declare this in the wonderful, powerful, invincible, irrefutable name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. Bless your children. Bless His church. Bless His church. May they be rooted and grounded in love. May they be known as a church that's full of love. Full of love. For perfect love cast out fear. I declare this church is not a deluded church, void of power. I declare this church is a word-filled church reproducing itself, reproducing the word all throughout this community. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands one more time. Lord, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for that word. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the word that was brought. Lord, we thank you for the ministry that not just happened in our spirits, but that happened in the natural here. Lord, we thank you for the healings. We thank you for the miracles that we're going to receive testimonies about. Do you believe that in Jesus' name? you believe that when hands were laid upon you and that you agreed and put yourself in the sight of God's word and said I see myself as healed it doesn't then it doesn't matter no longer does it matter how you feel no longer does it matter what you see with your natural eye you've taken that lens off like Brinson said and you've put you've allowed God to put that new lens on you see yourself as healed. See yourself as free from depression. See yourself as freed from any bondage or anything that has had its grip on you. You got to see yourself as God sees you. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I want to give you a testimony before you leave. 
about a little over a month ago, we had some missionaries come in, the Tallheimers. You remember that? They were believing God for some property, and we uh, prayed for them. We raised, uh, we took up an offering for them. We took up over $22,500 for them to buy the property. So they got back to Costa Rica, and uh, turns out the property that they were looking at buying had some title issues. And so now they've, you know, designated that money for property. And now they're believing God for the property that was that. But now they believe that's been taken off the table because of protection. So I just want us to agree together with them that the property will come because the provision is there. They just need the property, right? So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just set ourselves in agreement for that property. You know the property. You are the kind of God. You said that the, the seed would overtake the sower. And in their case, that's exactly what's happened. Their seed came in. They, they have received all that they need to buy the property. And now they just need the property. And so, Father, we set ourselves in agreement and we call that property in for them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, Cornell, why don't you come and dismiss us and pray over us real quick. In Espanol. Father, I thank you that, that you make all things new. <laughs> that there is just such a freshness, such a newness in you and everything you want to do. You, you don't do old things. You make everything new. God, I thank you that, that you are just stirring us. You're just moving in our midst. You're moving in our hearts. You're moving in our minds. You're moving in our city. You're moving in our church. God, I, I thank you that you are good and that you love us. And you want to make yourself known to us. Father, I thank you for our relationship that we have with you and the relationship you've made available. And like Brinson said, we're as close to you as we, you want to be. But we can be as close to you as we want to be. <laughs> So I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done here. I, I pray that you seal it, Holy Spirit, because I sense that even now, the enemy wants to come and steal the word that you've spoken. And I say, no, you cannot steal it in Jesus' name. I just, I just pray for cycles to be broken right now in Jesus' name. That where, where it seems as though you've went 360, or you've heard that before. No more in Jesus' name. No more. That you're not going back. Choose it right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just want to add with Cornell, because Cornell was there, but whenever we were in Pensacola, there was a prophetic word that was spoken and when the word was spoken, me, Lawrence, and Cornell, we all at HO, we said, we receive that. That is ours. We take that. So if that is our word that we're believing in, then we need to tell you that word so that we can all be together. But it was spoken 
that this conference was about beyond and going beyond. And so every day we just was seeing how the Father wanted to unveil to us how to go beyond. And there was a prophetic word that was spoken about a ceiling that was once there on the church. But that this week God removed that ceiling. And we all three declared at the same time that for Tifton, Georgia, that that ceiling was removed so that we could impact our community. And we took that word and we stood on it. We declare it. We believe it. So as our family, we need you to be in agreement with us because not only is the ceiling removed for the church building, it is being removed for us, the church, the body that lives in this community, so that we can go beyond where God has wanted us to go. He wants us to be able to see with the lens that Brinson told us about this morning. Look up with your new lens. There's no ceiling there. You can go. You can go. You can go beyond, 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 as far as you want to go, as close as you want to draw to God. You can go, and He will be there. He will be there. Right. Be brave. He will be there. He will meet you. He will He will grab your hand and snatch you and take you and fly you all around, and you can enjoy His love, enjoy who He is, and just enjoy being beyond. Amen. 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 Beyond. No turning back. Don't look back. Just look ahead. Look to Him. So we thank you that we get to <laughs> we get to behold you with unveiled face. <laughs> with unveiled face, Jesus, we want to see you. We want to know you. We want to be like you. Make us like you, Holy Spirit. Make us like you. In Jesus' name, we pray and thank you. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday night. Cover this. Don't forget, come fellowship. Break bread. You can't know the person next to you unless you eat some chicken with them.